This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. Yesterday's spiritual blessings don't always assure wise choices for tomorrow. Yesterday's spiritual blessings don't always assure wise choices for tomorrow. All you've got to do is hear the stories of many believers, many Christian leaders, men and women. The Lord blessed tremendously and yet make some stupid, stupid decisions in their lives. As we look at the life of Samson, there are many attributes that we as believers should steer clear from. Samson's pride and lust got the better of him and was the reason for his undoing. During the beginning of Samson's life, the Lord allowed him to have tremendous strength to do the Lord's work. But Samson got puffed up with pride. When you have great spiritual experiences with the Lord and you're strong and growing, that doesn't mean you should grow complacent in abiding with Him. Now, here's Pastor David in the book of Proverbs, chapter 29, verse 18 with part one of our character study on Samson. Without a vision, the people perish. Without revelation, there is no restraint. And this, to me, is a great explanation of the life of Samson. Samson had no vision, even though he could see in his earlier days. Samson's whole life and his ministry, all of that's presented to us in Judges chapter 13 through 16. So if you've got your Bibles, let's look there. Judges chapter 13 through 16. Chapter 13 tells us a little bit about Samson's parents. They encounter uh, the Lord in in this fantastic way. She is barren, does not have uh, any children at all, Uh, the, the wife of Manoah and uh, verse uh, two says there's a certain man from Zora to of the family of the Danites whose name was Manoah and his wife was barren and had no children. Verse three says and the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. And then the angel of the Lord gave her some precise directions of what she needs to do with her life to, again, maintain for that child. He says, now, therefore, please be careful. Don't drink any wine or similar drink. Don't eat anything that's unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite. Now, that is a particular vow, and we'll look at that in a moment. A Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. I think it's absolutely amazing when the angel says, and he will begin to deliver the children from the Philistines. It doesn't say he's going to deliver him. He's going to begin to deliver him. If you know anything about Samson, you know that his life was uh, cut short because of some choices he made. He began. He did not complete all that was before. For him, And so, you know, the woman, she ran to her husband, hey, a man of God came to me and said this and this, and I'm not supposed to drink any wine, similar thing, he's going to have the Nazarite vow, all that through there. So Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, oh God, oh my Lord, please let the man of God whom you uh, sent 
come to us again and teach us what we shall do with the child who is to be born. Verse 9 says, And the Lord listened, he sent the angel of God, came to the woman again. She ran, got her husband. He came out, verse 11, um, when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. And so Manoah says, Now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of his life and his work? And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. And then on he goes again of what she is supposed to do. Down in verse 15, Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please, let us detain you, and we will prepare a young goat for you. It's an interesting declaration now that the angel makes. In verse 16, the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was an angel of the Lord. Verse 17, Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name, that when your words come to pass, we may honor you? Now, this is really cool, because the angel declares to him, verse 18, the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? Anybody know whose name was wonderful? Jesus. Isaiah says his name is Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God. I believe, and I believe uh, James and some of the others that have shared in some of the Old Testament studies that we've had here recently, there, there are a multiple of these pre-incarnate visions of Jesus Christ. That, that Christ it was made himself known in, in multiples of ways in the Old Testament. I believe that this was another one. So anyway, in verse 19, Manoah, he go gets the young goat, the grain offering. He offers it up. And he did, the angel did this wonderful thing while they looked. Verse 20, it happened, as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. And when the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. Manoah said to his wife, we're going to die. <laughs> we are going to die. Because we have seen God. Manoah understood that this was just no ordinary angel. This was just no ordinary presence of God. This was God in, in visible form. And he said, we're going to die. But then his wife, I love how wives a lot, a lot of times bring in the balance of things and a little sanity into the situation. His wife said to him, you know what, if the Lord had wanted to kill us, he would, wouldn't have accepted the burnt offering or the grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all of these things, nor would he have told us such things as these at this time. So anyway, the woman bears a son. They call his name Samson, and here's where I want you to get. And the child grew, and the Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahana, Dan, between Zorah and Eshtal. The woman bore a son, called his name Samson, the child grew, the Lord blessed him, the Spirit of the Lord began to move on him. The Lord had told him that he was going to be a Nazarite from birth. Now this Nazarite vow is usually something that an adult would take in their dedication to the Lord. And it would usually be only for a period of weeks, months, maybe years. 
But very few would have the Nazarite vow, particularly from birth, particularly all the way back to the mom. Okay, While he's still in the womb, he is becoming a Nazarite. Well, through all of this, as, as they take this vow for whatever prescribed amount of time, whether it be months or years, for Samson, it was going to be for his whole life. And with that, no wine or similar drink was he to take. No vinegar made from wine or similar drink. No grape juice, no grapes, not even raisins. So like when he was going to school, his mom couldn't pack him one of those little boxes of raisins. She wasn't able to do that. No, 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 nothing from the, from the grapevine, from the seed to the skin, it declared in uh, verse 7. And there was no cutting of his hair. There was also no going near any dead body, not even a family member. Now, you've got to understand, in all of this, his, his parents had this great, man, this fantastic experience, relationship with the Lord. Boom. I, they, they saw him face to face. What a glorious thing that was. And they received the promise of his birth in the midst of that. And the promise of the Spirit of God working in his life, even from the point of conception. And then after he was born, it says right there at the end of chapter 13, that the Lord blessed him and the Spirit of the Lord moved on him. But here's lesson number one, gang. Yesterday's spiritual blessings don't always assure wise choices for tomorrow. Yesterday's spiritual blessings don't always assure wise choices for tomorrow. All you've got to do is hear the stories of many believers, many Christian leaders, men and women, who the Lord blessed tremendously and yet make some stupid, stupid decisions in their lives. Chapter 14, suddenly it starts showing us the type of man that Samson has begun become. After that glorious beginning, and now we see in chapter 14, another man. For Samson, God needed to become his God rather than the God of his parents. And we a lot of times see that in, in children and in youth. The parents have a great relationship with the Lord. The children rise up, and as they become uh, later on in teen years, suddenly, where do they go? They fall off the map. Suddenly, they're not, they're not in our uh, young adult groups anymore. They, they made it through high school. They hit 18, and boom, they're out the door. That happens. Why? Because of the failure of the parents? Oh, no. I don't believe that that's the case at all. Now, do parents fail? Yeah. I'll join in with that group. We failed our kids a lot of times. But you know what? The kids come to a point where our God needs to be their God. They cannot live off of our faith anymore. It doesn't work for them. God has placed them under our care and under our coverage for that season. But as they get to that age, it's a decision that they now need to make on their own. We find in Samson's life that his commitments weren't the same as his parents'. And he just did not have the same desires as what we saw in his parents during that time. And yet, it wasn't the Spirit of God in Samson's life that was moving him, but there was a move that was going on in his life. We find out very quickly that Samson's sight 
is that that's leading him. His physical sight is what's directing him, not the Spirit of God. And as we're going to see in chapter 14, Samson couldn't see beyond himself. He had a very limited scope of vision. All he saw was his own desires. All he saw was his own short dreams. And again, what pleasure it was for him. Verse 14 tells us the story of the Philistine woman that Samson fell in lust with. And that's all that it was. He didn't fall in love with her. He fell in lust with her. So we look at chapter 14. It says, now Samson, we don't know how old he is at this time, but we assume he is a uh, a young adult at this point in time. Maybe he's late teens at this point in time. But in chapter 14, verse 1, Samson went down to Timnah. And saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Do you see a problem there yet? Okay. He, yeah, he's, he's, he's an Israeli. These are the Philistines. These are their enemies. This is not where, number one, he's where he should not be. And suddenly he sees something that he should not desire. But guess what? So he went up and told his father and mother saying, I've seen a woman in Timnah. My heart goes pitter-patter for her. (laughs) And then he tells his parents, now go get her for me as a wife. Who is ruling the roost at this point in time? Samson. The child is the ruler of the home. Aren't you glad that we don't have that in our society anymore? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's all too often that children rule the home. His mother, his father, tried to reason with him. He says, is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren and among all of my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. That's the only, op- that's the o- that's the only reason. She just makes my heart go flutter-patter. It's like my dad told my grandmother when he was falling in love with my mom. He says, I feel like I got butterflies in my, in my heart for her. My grandmother, a wise woman, says, you probably just got worms. <laughs> That's just one of the stories. Okay. Well, they went on down. They went down to the vineyard of Timnah. To his surprise, this young lion, and you know the story, they came along and mom and dad are going and Samson isn't even traveling with mom and dad. Somehow he gets separated from them or on purpose. He's either far ahead of them, far behind them, whatever. I, I, you know how it is, kids. They don't want to be seen with mom and dad. You hit them all. Hey, can we just kind of, dip, we'll meet you back here in four hours. Anyway, Samson's not with mom and dad. A lion comes out. He kills the lion, throws the carcass over the side. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, you have the Nazarite vow. He shouldn't be even be around today dead lion at all. Well, they, they talk on the Nazarite vow, actually in Numbers, a, a dead body, speaking of, of human bodies. So rather this is a break of the Nazarite vow, I, I, I'm not even going to go there. A little bit later, it says, uh, they went down, verse 7, they went down, they talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. Behold, a swarm of bees and honey was in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it, tasted it, and went on. And when he came to his father and mother, he gave some to them. They also ate. But he did not tell them what, that he had taken it, the honey, out of the carcass of the lion. 
So his father went down to the woman. Samson gave a feast for them, for young men used to do that kind of a thing. And it happened when he saw them that they brought 30 companions to be with him. You know, during those days, they would hire mourners at your funeral. And I guess they would also hire people to come and celebrate with you, too, if you were new in town. So they got these 30 guys. And so Samson comes to them. He says, let me give you a riddle. If you can correctly solve it, then uh, if you can correctly solve it within seven days of the feast, then I'll give you thirty linen garments and thirty changes of clothes. But if you can't explain it, then you're going to give me thirty linen garments and thirty changes of clothes. So they said, "Okay, pose your riddle that we may hear it." And so he says, "Out of the eater came something to eat; out of the strong came something sweet." Now for three days they couldn't explain the riddle. And it came to pass on the seventh day of the feast. Now, this is kind of interesting. I'm going to even stop here and pause real quick. This has nothing to do with the character study. We'll get into that in a moment. But Jewish weddings used to be like all week long. And so, I mean, you would feed the people. They would party all week long. So all week long, these guys are there. They're intermixing with, with Samson, with his wife-to-be, and, and with each other. All week long, they're trying to figure out this riddle. So finally, on the seventh day, they came to Samson's wife and says, Entice your husband that he may explain the riddle to us, or else <laughs> we'll burn you and your father's house with fire. Nice guys. Close friends, okay? Um, or we're going to burn your house down with fire. Have you invited us in order to take away what's ours? Is that not so? And so Samson's wife wept on him. You only hate me. You do not love me. You posed a riddle to the sons of my people, but you've not explained it to me. Now, Samson is a sucker, okay? There's just no way around it. We see this. Samson, because he is led by his own fleshly desires, because of his own fleshly pleasures, he is a sucker. And the fact is, is any of us, if we are led that way, we are a sucker to the enemy. The enemy suddenly realized, wow, this one is so easy because of their fleshly appetite. So easily to, to just draw in whatever way that I want to do it. And here he uses the object of Samson's infatuation to bring his demise. Beloved, the spiritual application for that is overwhelming. The very thing that draws us from absolute obedience to the Lord is the thing that will destroy us. The very thing. She says, you don't love me. You haven't told me. So he said to her, look, I've not even explained it to my father or mother. So should I explain it to you? Now she had wept on him the seven days while the feast lasted. This is the time of celebration of your new wife. And she is crying and whining all the entire time. So finally... It happened on the seventh day that he told her, because she pressed him so much, he explained the riddle to her, and then they came out and says, hey, we know what's, uh, what is sweeter than honey, what's stronger than a lion. And then probably the best line in all of Judges is Samson's reply, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Enough said. We'll move on. Uh, so... Then in verse 19, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. 
I love it. I, I've got to stop right here, and I've got to back up. Same chapter, chapter 14. Look back in chapter 4, or verse 4, I'm sorry. Chapter 14, verse 4. Verse 4 comes in that point where Samson goes up, Hey, I found this little cutie down there in the Philistines. Go get her for me. Samson, it's not Samson's idea to come against the Philistines. It's God's idea. Now, wait a minute. You're telling me that God is responsible for Samson going after something that he shouldn't have? No, that's not what I'm telling you. And here where we look and see in verse 19, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. Well, wait a minute. Didn't you tell me just a moment ago that Samson is going away from the things of the Lord? Yes. Bear those things in mind as we go along in this. But let me just give you this quick thought on that. Let me ask you the question. Has God ever used you in spite of you? I would say every one of us would have to shake our heads yes. Has God ever used any of your messes to bring about something good? Probably most of us would have to agree to that. Otherwise, we don't really understand and we don't really comprehend the declaration of Joseph to his brothers when he declared to his brothers, the very thing that you meant for evil... God used for good. Was the things that his brothers did to Joseph evil? I think so. I think, look, yeah, they sold him into slavery, he got put in jail, or all these things, in prison. All of these things were not good, and yet God, in the long process of things, brought them about. So does it really matter whether I'm good or not? Won't God just take care of it? It does matter. It matters greatly. And when you look at Samson's life, he is the epitome of the reality that, yes, we can screw up, God can use it, but you know what? We also have the consequences of those choices in our lives. I want to look here in this whole situation of his parents for a moment. And again, this brings in a lot of things, not just for Samson, but for all of us, even with children. Samson was apparently a child that was very favored by his parents. So far as we know, he's the only child of his parents. He is a male child of his parents. How did he come about? An angel of the Lord says, Hey, I'm going to bless you with this child. Do you think that you would have like, Wow! This kid is special? You know you would. God spoke to you purposefully. You'd been barren all of this time. Now God in person comes to you and says, Hey, you're going to have this kid, and I'm going to, man, I'm going to bless him in a great way. I believe that he was favored by his parents, but I believe that it was too the extreme. Too much to the extreme. And I don't want to read too much in this situation. But there seems to be this real disconnect between Samson and his honoring, his obedience, and even his receiving of his parents' advice. Because everything we see in chapter 14 says, you know what, I don't care what you say, mom and dad, I want her. Go get her for me. Yeah, but son, don't you realize it doesn't matter. Go get her for me. There's no honoring of the parents. There's no receiving of the advice of the parents. There's no obedience to it. And out of that, I just want to let you know, you can favor your children too much. 
If you're fearful to bring correction on your children because you're afraid that they will not accept you, you are doing the utmost damage to that child. Children need correction. Children need boundaries. When a parent refuses to discipline a child, the child will come to take charge and take control. I've seen this in friends of ours who will remain nameless since this tape is going out on the internet. But I've seen this in friends of ours who the cute little four and five year old who is running around the house absolutely in charge and all of the focus is on that four and five year old suddenly becomes a 15 or 16 year old that still demands all the focus and all the attention and all their way. A loving father disciplines the children. A child in charge of a family will always bring destruction. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to TheOpenWord.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we encourage you to log on to TheOpenWord.com. Remember, at the website you'll find quite a bit of information about The Open Word and a link to the church website. So log on to TheOpenWord.com today and get to know us better. We wish we had more time today to share more of Pastor David's message, but we've run out of time for today. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God richly bless you.